Amen. Thank you very much. Please be seated. And that what a day that will be. Um, and what a tremendous, tremendous privilege, wonderful glory awaits us. And as I mentioned a couple times in that hymn, seeing our Savior's face um, and being just able to be in his very presence. What a blessing. All right, let's take our Bibles, turn to Revelation uh, chapter number 21. Revelation chapter 21. I'm just going to just read a couple of verses, um, starting in verse 9. Read, well, you follow along, please. Revelation 21 and verse 9, verse 10, and then the, just the first, the first phrase of verse 11. And then we'll pray and get into the message for today. Verse 9, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for this opportunity again to be here today. We're thankful for all that made it out this morning. And we do pray for those who could not be here. And Lord, that you would just be with them and, and uh, help them to have their hearts and minds uh, focused on thee. Now help us as we look into these marvelous things, promises, uh, in the word of God concerning our eternal dwelling place. And we pray for the help of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that he indeed may be the one who will teach us from the word of God and just will uh, do the work that needs to be done in our hearts and our spirits, Lord, and, and especially that we just might really be encouraged and be thrilled at the prospect of what we have because of Christ, because of his coming and all that that relates to. Ask the, thy blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Two weeks ago, December the 6th, we started looking at Revelation 21. And I just felt the Lord, believe the Lord, would have me to finish uh, just a couple messages left in the book of Revelation, and then we'll go on from there and probably look at some more of the scriptures having to do with Christmas and the birth of Jesus Christ and all those things. And, and even what we're going to look at today in Revelation 21 is all because he came, um, and he provided salvation. So this morning, Lord willing, we're going to take a look at the rest of the chapter and looking at some of the details of the descriptions of that magnificent city, which here is called the Holy Jerusalem. And we know that Jesus Christ came into the world to be our Savior, and this is the message, true message of Christmas. You know, the baby in the manger, that's not all, and you know that. But praise the Lord, he grew up and became a man and, and went to the cross and provided our eternal salvation. Um, and as you also would be reminded today, we read that scripture, um, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. He's talking to his disciples, and of course the application to all believers. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. 
And I would again call your attention, you might want to look at it later, in the great high priestly prayer in John 17, before Jesus was arrested and taken to the cross, he expressed his desire, Father, I will, in other words, I desire that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. Because he's already anticipating going back to heaven after his suffering. And the Lord desires us to be in his presence. And, and you know, he calls his people home one by one. And then, of course, someday with the rapture, when Jesus comes, he's going to take all of us at one time. But he desires to be, for us to be with him. And so he also said in that passage that he's, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so the Bible is very clear that only those who have trusted in Christ will be in heaven. There's no other way. And so... If you're interested in heaven, and obviously if you're a Christian, you are. And um, anyway, there's you know mysterious things about you know how we're going to get there. I mean, uh, are we going to die uh, before the Lord comes? And you know the Lord promises us to be with us. Uh, on Psalm 48:14, he, he will be our guide even unto death. The Lord will never leave us. Even in that, in that most difficult moment. Or we may be alive when the Lord comes for us. Um, so anyway, let's take a look at some things about this. And first of all, the declaration. There is an angel, and as, and as happened, happens often in the book of Revelation, God sends an angel uh, to declare his message or do his bidding. So in this particular case, in verse 9, And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues. And so his, he, uh, this angel had, was in um, Revelation 16, where they delivered the final judgments upon earth. Now the angel has a, mess, a glorious message of heaven. And I was reminded of that, that if we are going to teach and preach the whole counsel of God, there has to be messages of judgment there has to be a message of encouragement, of blessing, of glory. And so this angel privileged to deliver this announcement. Um, he talked with me and saying, Come hither, John, come here. I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. All right, the lamb's wife. Take a look at, just back to, uh, to um, chapter 21, verse 2. And where John writes, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And so the city is called the bride because of the adornment, the, the, the beautiful adornment that we'll take a look at. And it's almost like this city is like the wedding garment, if you will, for the redeemed for the bride. So the redeemed will dwell there as well. And Revelation 19 talks about the bride have made herself ready, given white raiment and all those things, white linen to, to, to be clothed in. And so the Bible is talking again here about this a wedding atmosphere. Christ and his redeemed are about to be joined 
physically, you know, as far as our presence and spiritually united with Christ forever and ever. Um, and so he says, and immediately, or he carried me away, verse 10, in the spirit. So again, in the form of a vision brought by the Holy Spirit. John in tune with the Spirit of God. So he carried me away into a, in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, city of peace, descending out of heaven from God. So John's on the earth and in the Spirit, he's caught up and he sees this great city coming down from God out of heaven. And there's the idea where uh, coming down to heaven where, uh, where God's throne is. And so he sees this city having the glory of God. That's how we describe it. We're going to get into more de descriptions here in just a moment, but part of this announcement is about the city and it takes John to see it having the glory of God. Of God. In other words, the, the glory of God is present and evident in this city. The glory of God, that, what is that referring to? Well, here it's a visible manifestation of the glory of God. And the idea of the glory of God here especially speaks of his splendor and majesty and brilliance. And as one Bible dictionary Put up the awesome light that radiates from God's presence. Right? And we, we know enough, I think most of us do, about heaven, and we'll look at it later, but the idea that the light of heaven is provided by the glory of God. That visible brightness and brilliance having the glory of God and her light, the light of the city, uh, was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And so the jasper stone was known as a brilliant crystalline stone of greenish color, very bright. And we're going to see more about that light so on uh, later in the message. Um, and so the description, let's take a look, verses 12 to 23, the, the, he, John, sees and he writes down the description of the heavenly city. Right? And we who know the Lord will be there. It's the, it's the great promise that the Lord made. Again, I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus said. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And Jesus Christ came the first time. You know, we look back on that. We observe that. We love that. The whole story of Jesus coming to the earth and the angels visiting Mary and visiting Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men and the angels and, and just all that wonder and glory, miracle after miracle took place. It happened as it was prophesied by prophets and the same prophets like Isaiah. Not only did he prophesy the first coming of Jesus, he prophesied the second coming. And so it's real. It's going to happen. We don't know when. One of these days. I was just reading a book, and some of you may remember, this is going back a long ways, M.R. Dehan, a great fundamentalist. He, he started what, what then was called the Radio Bible Class. He pastored churches. 
He wrote a book, and I got it, my hands on it somehow in the 60s, about 1962, 63. He wrote a book called um, The Days of Noah, and he was all, it's all about the prophecy. 1960s, it was there, and um, he talked about how it can't be much longer before the Lord comes. Well, it's been 50 years, almost 60, since he wrote that book. And, but yet the Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. Now, let's see what else. Let's just, so what, is, what about the city? Well, first of all, he, it, uh, the angel shows John. He sees and he writes about the wall. Walls of the city. Very common in those days. But notice it had a, a, had a wall great and high. And had 12 gates. And at the gates, 12 angels. So an angel assigned to each gate. Again, just to add the, to the glory and splendor. And uh, names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. So, as an eternal reminder of God's favor toward the people of Israel. And, of course, and we know in prophecy that Israel is going to return to the Lord. They're going to be restored. They're going to be redeemed. They're going to be blessed. And so their names are written on the wall, the, the, um, the gates of the city. 13, on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, on the west three gates. And if you go back and read in Numbers and so on in the Old Testament, you'll see that's very similar to the camp in Israel. Three tribes, north, south, east, west. And they were, according to their tribes, they had their flags and all that. The gates, all right? And then, verse 14 says, the wall of the city had 12 foundations. That is, 12 stones for foundations. And in them, the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And, of course, that represents the New Testament believer. That represents the church. <coughs> And so both will maintain their identity through all eternity. So how important is that? How important is Israel to the Lord? Very important. How important is the church to the Lord? Very important. And of course, we're talking now about a redeemed Israel, a redeemed church. All right. Verses 15 to 17, the dimensions of this city. You see, that heaven is not just a state of mind or another dimension. This heaven, and I say, I'm saying I'm using heaven in the limited sense here. This city, it's real. And all these measurements and these dimensions, again, underscore the fact that this is a literal place. Again, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place. And this is it. All right, this is it. So let's see, what does it say? Verse 15, he that talked with me had a golden reed, in other words, a measuring rod to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square. And the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. And so that translates to approximately 1,500 miles. Notice the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. So we're talking about a city 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles high. Now that's, that's 1,500 miles is half the width of the United States. Pretty big city. It needs to be big. There's going to be a lot of people in it, all right? 
the saved of, you know, of, of all this, all time. Um, and he measured the wall, verse 17, there are 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man that is of the angel. In other words, according to the measure that the man did as God instructed him. And so the idea there, it's a li- again, it's a literal measurement. Now, if this is a short cubit, which is normally the case in the Bible, it would be 216 feet. That's the height of the wall. I mean, I don't think we can even picture that, all right? 216 feet. Now, this building is 90 feet long, so you stood this thing on end, it would take two of them and a little bit more to make the height of the wall around the city. All right, now, let's take a look at some of the, the splendor of the city beyond our comprehension. Um, and we see beautiful things in this world, and I mentioned about the... The snow, and if you have to shovel it, you know you may get a little tired of that. But um, it is a beautiful thing, and there are precious <coughs> jewels on this earth. There are there's beauty in the creation all around us, many different things, and and I enjoy that. Um, even as far as uh, going into a store where there is a big, a large produce department. And just looking at all the colors of the fruits and vegetables. Beautiful, beautiful. And the flowers and the trees and the sky and, and just all the things that we see here. I've never really seen a lot of gems on this earth, you know. But anyway, but in heaven, the thing that's going to be different in heaven is that these are going to be jewels and gems in the purest form. The Bible talks about the Word of God being like gold purified seven times. It talks about purifying. And on earth, that's about as far as they can go. And so uh, I've, I've read that there, there is no such thing. There's no pure gold down here. They just, can't, they just can't refine it enough. But all these in heaven. All right, let's get through. Let's look at some of these. And, and it's interesting. There's about four. Or out of these precious stones, there's five that are some color of green. So, not to make light, I don't mean light, but it seems as if God has a favorite color. And that color is green. Why do you think that is? Because green refers to life and growth and springing forth. And well, that's, Anyway, so, um, the building of the wall, of it was jasper. We mentioned that jasper already, which is a green stone. And the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass, so transparent gold. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation, jasper, there it is again, green. The second, sapphire, which is blue. The third, a chalcedony, which again is green. The fourth, an emerald, which is green. The fifth, uh, sardonyx, which is red and white. The sixth is a sardius which is a deep, dark, almost blood red. The seventh, chrysolite, um, which is a golden yellow. The um, ninth, a top, or the eighth, a beryl, sorry, beryl, green again, another green. The ninth, a topaz, greenish gold or yellow. The tenth, a chrysoprasus, green again. Jacinth, which is bluish purple. 
and the 12th amethyst, which is a purple quartz. So all these, and you, the idea there, the city's gold, and so the, and the light, the glory of God, the light goes through it and illuminates these stones so they sparkle and shine and, and brightness. Why did the Lord do that? Because we're his bride. We're his spiritual bride. And get this, we need to remember this, I certainly do, nothing is too good for the bride. And that's really, there's no other reason. I mean, it's to show the glory of God, but it's to show his love for us. One of my favorite verses is Ephesians 2.7. It says that in the ages to come, that in the ages to come, he might show the, the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So why is the Lord our precious Lord Jesus Christ. Why is he preparing such a city? Because he loves us. I mean, I guess I suppose that that just sounds dull, like that's a no-brainer, but to think about the how much, how much he loves us. You know, think about the person on this earth that you love more than anybody and think that God, Christ loves us infinitely more than that. So that's why he's, he adorns this city with such beauty, all right? All right, we are now on verse 21. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. And so, yes, the old saying about the pearly gates is true, but each gate is made of one pearl. Again, imagine how beautiful that would be. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. And somebody commented, I read a commentary that said this. It says the street. So Main Street. Heaven has a Main Street and it's gold. It's pure gold. As it were, transparent glass. And those are all wonderful. They're all beautiful. And there's more things in, in chapter 22. There's more things about the city that... Uh, we'll look at, hopefully, next Lord's Day. But, to, you know, sometimes God saves the, le- the best for last. So, what is the greatest blessing of, of heaven? What is the greatest blessing of being in that city? Well, look at verse 22. And I saw no temple therein. Oh, good, we won't have to go to church. No, that's not what it's talking about. Down here we have a temple, we have a building, and God ordained that, and we're supposed to do that. But no temple therein. Why? For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. See, we won't have to go to a building. I mean, we could worship God anywhere, I understand that. But there is, this has this place, this, the church has been ordained by the Lord. We're supposed to be there. We're supposed to be here to worship and learn and all that. But we won't need a temple in heaven. Why? Because God and Jesus Christ will be right there in the city. And just praise the Lord for that. We'll be able to see him face to face. And I love that hymn we sang Glory, you know, that will be glory because it talks in that hymn about seeing him 
and a smile. He loves us. I just can't, you know, you may think, well, uh, yes, he does, but I don't know, maybe, not, maybe it's not that way with you, but I, I still try to figure that out or, or fathom the love of God. He loves us so much. And so, he's there. The Lamb, the Lord God Almighty, and the Lamb are the temple of it. And by the way, Jesus Christ is both of those things. Jesus is the Lord God Almighty, and he is the Lamb. We, we, know, we know the Lamb. He's the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. But he's also the Lord God Almighty, God in the flesh when he came to this earth. And it talks, it talks about that more in chapter 22. But here in, verse, here in verse 23, here's another reminder. And the city had no need of the sun. So it doesn't need the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. You know, the Bible says in Genesis, God created two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, which is the sun, the lesser light to rule the night, which is the moon, and of course, all the stars that God made also. No need for any of those. It's a different world. So many of the things that we just so depend on down here will be totally unnecessary up there. Why doesn't it need any of those things? For the glory of God did lighten it. In other words, gives light, illuminates. And as I said earlier, the glory of God is a tangible, visible thing. Now, we can't see it down here because of our because we're mortal. But we will be immortal, we will be, you know, we will be eternal, we'll be glorified, so therefore we will be able to look upon the glory of God. And the Lamb. Is the light there up? Well, how about the dwellers? Who's going to be there? Verse 24, and the nations of them that are saved. In other words, the idea of the nations of the world, the peoples of the world, the different nationalities gathered together of all the saved. I don't know how many Christians you've met of different nationalities. But it's great. It's a blessing. And just through the years, through our fellowship with the different things, um, I've met believers that are from Pakistan, um, believers from India, believers from Africa, believers from Europe, um, believers from Asia. And we're not, you know, it's, it's, it's really something. We're not those things, like when I talk to a person, I meet somebody, oh, hey, I'm an American Christian. No, I'm a Christian. And they don't say, well, you know, I'm an Arab Christian or I'm a, you know, whatever. No, we're just Christians. We're people of God. And so there is that bond and there is that common love for, for Christ and, and for one another. I mean, how many times have we said this and how many times... Have we experienced the fact we meet somebody somewhere, we find out they're a Christian, we start talking, and it's like we've been friends for 50 years. Why? Because we have so much in common. And we really, believers are the only people that really have that much in common, right? And so, so they, they all come, the nations, the nations of them, that is the peoples, 
which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth, obviously that means the saved kings, do bring their glory and honor into it. Now there's something implied there that whatever the best of Christian people on earth, it's even more so, it's even multiplied when we get to heaven and we oftentimes we'll talk about a Christian who has gone on to be the Lord and we will say, well, he was or she was. And I found myself saying, you know what? They still are, only more so. I love it when I hear somebody say, and I guess the last time was when I watched Pastor Griffith's funeral online, and they said, you know, he, Brother Craig, Pastor he is more alive today than he's ever been. Because heaven, the life in heaven is a whole, a whole new thing, a whole new life. Anyway, so they'll bring their glory and honor into it. But the idea here is too, who, you know, who is the one in the city? The Lord Jesus. So they're going to bring their honor and glory, and they're going to they're going to honor and glorify God. Verse twenty six. As we're looking at the dwellers, verse twenty six, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, the various nations, the peoples. Glory, all glory, 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 glory. Verse twenty five. No night, and the gates of it, the gates of the city, shall not be shut at all. By day, for there shall be no night there. No night. The idea of that, obviously the illustration or the picture is of cities on earth with gates and walls at night to come in when everything, you know, the day's over, everybody comes in the city, the gates are shut. It's nighttime protection. Keep, keep people, enemies out, keep the people in, but no night heaven, so there was, there was, the gates are never shut. There's a great old hymn where the gates swing outward never. They're always open. Alright? But then there is a specific people. You know, there is a restriction. Oh, we have, to, we have to understand this. There is a restriction. And I wonder sometimes if even believers really get this. There's a restriction. And verse 27, there shall in no wise, no way, shape, or form, is the idea. There shall in no wise enter into it. What? Into what? Into the Holy Jerusalem. Anything that defiled, or earth, anything that would spoil. Obviously, what he's talking, he's talking about sin. No sin. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination, that is, does things that are detestable for good before God, or maketh a lie. So none of those things. No sin in heaven. I, I, I was reading a, a, a guy, a person who commented on the heaven, heaven and all that. He said, why would you think that people that want nothing to do with God are heavenly things now, why would they want to be there later? You know, an unsaved person in heaven would be out of place. Totally. Like, and, and so it's only, you know, no one there who is lost. No sin in heaven, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. 
And of course, the Lamb's Book of Life contains the names of every saved person. And so we need, we, we, we need not make exceptions, even in our mind. A person who's not saved won't be there. No how, no way. Right? I think, I think you understand that, but we... We were just talking about that the other day. Well, we've taken up, I don't know how this all started, but my wife got the idea. We're finding out lots of missionaries and preachers and stuff. Uh, Them and their wives um, were all reading through the book of Luke this month. A chapter a day, so 24 chapters, so we'll read the last chapter uh, on the 24th. And the other night, well, the other day, a couple days ago, we we were reading the account of the rich man and Lazarus. And we just stopped and said... Do we really get this? I said to my wife, she said to me, do we really understand this? That the unsaved are going to be in hell forever and ever and ever and ever? And they're never going to have one moment of relief? Maybe except when when they get out of hell to stand before the great white throne, only to be cast into the lake of fire. And that's what just, that's what just, uh, well, a lot of things, but the cheap message, the so-called message of Christmas, that's Christmas or whatever holidays, that is being promoted throughout our country is outright blasphemy. And the message is being withheld. You know, Romans talks about the wrath of God on those who hold back the truth. And that's what's being done in our society. You know, nothing else matters about this message of Christmas except Christ. And why he came. And people are just going on. I'm sorry for the play on words, but I was going to say people are going on their merry way or, or their not so merry way. Again, I got another text or message this week from a guy who's, who hates this time of year. It's the most depressing and awful time of year. And they keep telling me to have Christmas spirit. Well, he has no idea what it is. That's the problem. Again, I mentioned before, it's not found in trees and presents and parties and dinners and all that sort of thing. It's empty. Apart from Christ. Apart from Christ. And people are so blinded, they can't even see the name Christmas. They can't see Christ in that word. So anyway, so we have the message. And so that's why I put in the bulletin. That's why I pray. I mean, I pray this for our church and for us as individuals every, every, every day of the year that we'd be witnesses for Christ. But so much more now because at least people are thinking People put the manger in front of their house. And, you know, some people put a star, some people put a cross among all the other stuff. And so we know that at least it's in their mind. But they have to understand it's way more than a baby in a manger. As great as that was, God came to earth, but he came to be our Savior. We, We know that. You know that, I hope. And so... This is a time of gifts. God gave the greatest gift. In fact, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. 2 Corinthians 9.15. So God gave a gift. The wise men gave gifts. Hopefully everybody here is going to give and receive gifts. But you know, the greatest gift is the gift of salvation. The gift of God. Eternal life. And then there's a gift. I think that we need to be reminded of. There's a gift we give to the Lord in in Romans 12, our our bodies. We give to him. Well, I hope you see the the great connection between the baby in the manger and the holy Jerusalem. The same one who was in the manger is that lamb. 
is that Lord God Almighty, whose glory, whose glory lights it. Now trust you also see that Jesus Christ, faith in him, is the only way to heaven. If we need help with that, we're here to help. But then think, too, what we've looked at today. This is believer. This is our eternal destiny. This is our dwelling place forever and ever. And so we need to, you know, live with that in mind. And again, the old song, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up. And here's some of those treasures right here beyond the blue. So may the Lord help us. And, uh, so just, again, if, if we can be of help to anybody today, we'd love to do that. What a wonderful, wonderful eternity we have as believers. Are you getting tired yet of this old world? Are you longing? You know, I remember when I was like, when I was getting ready to be married, I was thinking about that summer, and I thought, man, I'm probably sinning, Lord, and I know I, I want to see you come, but I'd like to be married first. <laughs> and of course, I've gotten my wish <laughs> 44 years later. We have a young couple, I know, you know, they're just looking forward to that little that baby being born, and so are we, we're all excited, we're praying. I prayed, I told Callan this morning, I just prayed that they wouldn't have to go during, that, during the midst of that big old storm. And God, you know, God was good, God answered prayer. Look forward to that. And so I think it's, you know, if you if that's okay. If you want to see the baby, I don't, you know, that's, that's fine. The Lord's not going to be mad at you for wanting to see that little baby. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway, see, yeah, God, there's blessings down here. There sure are. Um, anyway, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank thee so much for this message. And there's just no way that any earthly preacher can paint the wonderful picture of that city. I just pray that the Holy Spirit has taken these words and even this description of this place that Jesus Christ prepared for us. And Lord God, I've read this passage so many times, and yet this time it, I, just, I was just so impressed and so moved with the idea that, that he built that for us because he loves us. And he wants to show his glory and his riches and his grace. We praise the Lord for that. And we do pray this time of year, that we might see many who would come to realize that the baby in the manger, the Lord Jesus, came to be their Savior. We pray that many will trust Christ. We even, again, would pray for the service this Thursday night. We pray that we'd be able to have it, and we pray that the, the, the music and message would be used of thee uh, to draw people to the Savior. We just pray, Father, it would be just wonderful if even one person would be saved. So we'll take more, certainly, Lord, but even one would be such a blessing. And so may the word of God continue to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, turn in your hymn books, please, to number 213. 213. And thinking about that city, thinking about the light, Let's sing number 213, the light of the world is Jesus. Let's stand, please, if you're able to stand. And let's sing all four verses, please, of the light of the world is Jesus. Trust that you know him. Come to the light. It's not talking about some weird, mysterious light they write about today. But to Jesus, the light, right? to the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus.